0: Everyday capitalist citizenship requires of us one overriding maxim. Look after yourself. Keep yourself healthy. No one else will do it for you. Don't be a burden. In this view of the world, it is others who are unclean, others who are unsafe, others who bring disease. This is one reason neoliberal subjectivity is so perfectly congruent with paranoia and victimhood, no less than with self-aggrandizement, which in turn has such a potent elective affinity with vigilantism conspiracism, and racist spite. The children of the world-historic socialist defeats that cleared the way for the emergence of this order are today's middle-aged dads bunkering down in social industry enclaves, blaming the plague on 5G masts, the Chinese or government simulation. Hello, and welcome to The Regrettable Century. This is Chris. I'm Kevin. And I'm Jason. And today, we are all unclean. Living through global pandemic, economic crisis, and currently full-scale revolt. Yeah, it's a few a few weeks ago, I, th- I think maybe a couple of months ago, we read one of the early salvage dispatches from the changing world, titled The Mask of Red Death, where we talked about how pretty much anything was on the table for trying to resolve the crisis, and how the... Old narratives of, uh, oh, that's not possible, how are we going to pay for it, just kind of disappeared in the wake of trying to stabilize the economy for a few minutes. And, you know, there was a lot uh, at the time, there was a lot of musing about, well, maybe this means that we're going to um, shift into better a better way of doing things. And without even trying, we'll we'll have like instituted some kind of, you know, state capitalism or some kind of, you know, bastard socialism. And uh, our view was that probably not, <laughs> probably not. And if, and if it was going to be the powers that are com- that are in control right now enacting the things that saved us from pandemic and eased the burden of economic crisis, then it was most likely going to lead to a nightmare scenario. <laughs> you know, so I don't, I didn't at the time consider that they just weren't even going to fucking do anything. <laughs>
1: So I remember, you know, musing aloud about the kind of necessity of implementing some sort of statist measures and you could see it happening all over the world, like the Johnson administration having just defeated Corbyn, uh, now having to turn around and and do things that like only a labor government would have conceivably done in the past. And that might have sounded like, you know, optimism about where things are going, but... It's probably just important to reiterate that like, even though those things are necessary and even though they are kind of being done, it doesn't make it good. Right. I think
0: that we definitely included the caveat that uh, the left has had absolutely no input into any of these measures that are being taken.
2: Uh, No, absolutely. Whatever whatever measure is taken is taken for the stabilization of the capitalist system, not for um, anything that would even... (laughs) At least, not not intentionally. I mean, it, it is it's important to keep in mind that, um, uh, the the fallibility, uh, not just the fallibility, the absolute fucking incompetence of those who control the, who run things, who run the world, uh, they don't know what the fuck they're doing either, and they experience unintended consequences just as much as we do, you know? Right, yeah.
1: right. And like, I think the term that we used before was like right keynesianism or disaster keynesianism or something like that and that's like you know like if you look at the french state and the way it sort of pumped enormous subsidies into the economy to keep things afloat you know in the way that like the canadian state is <clears throat> underwriting people's you know pay even though they've lost their jobs and those sorts of things but then in the united states <laughs> what if we, we there was that one check that some people still haven't gotten yeah. um <laughs> and we have like 40 million people on unemployment now
0: oh but the uh the democrats did extend cobra benefits <laughs> oh yeah Yeah, <laughs> yes, Which, super
2: fucking useful
0: i don't know who the fuck can actually afford those no no
2: i i honestly am not familiar with a single instance where that has has ever uh, been used. I don't. I don't understand why it exists. I really, really, honestly, earnestly don't understand it at all. Like, why? Why is? Why does it exist? Why does anybody even talk about it as if it's something that could ever be useful to anyone anywhere? It is so astonishingly expensive. No one would ever use it, even if they were employed, much less uh, you know, uh-huh. after they just got fucking laid off.
0: Whenever I quit my job. Like, right before all this shit happened, which turns out was a bad idea. Um,
2: (laughs) um, Good timing, man.
0: I Yeah, I know, right? They sent me the Cobra stuff, and I was just like, huh, okay, well, you know, I've always heard this is bullshit, but I'll look into it. And I was right, it's bullshit. (laughs) You know, uh, the, the Democrats tried to push through a gigantic corporate bailout that would also include within it um, voting by mail provisions mm-hmm. and $2,000 a month for the remainder of the crisis. And um, I don't think that even.
2: Yeah. I don't know what, what came of that. I I know it failed, but
0: I know that Trump said he would, he would uh, veto it if it ever got to his desk.
2: Yeah. And McConnell just uh, essentially just, uh, never bring it up for a vote unless sixty yeah. uh senators override him, and that's not gonna happen. <laughs> no, he's not gonna get a revolt from Republicans to in favor of voting on <laughs> on a on a handout
0: yeah, so like the last thing I heard about that bill was that it was gaining traction in the Senate, and that was like at the beginning of May. And I haven't heard anything about it since then. I do know that Donald Trump said that it would, he would never sign it, yeah, because of what it included for um, mail-in. That's the real mail-in voting. Yeah, that was the,
2: the sticking point for him for his threat to veto. I'm sure he wouldn't give a fuck about printing money and sending out to people. I like he, he I, I, am sure, I am positive that he doesn't give a shit one way or the other. He doesn't have like an, a position He's, on the economics of uh, he doesn't have an ideological deficit in his body, spending. Man. Yeah, exactly. He just recognizes yeah. that, um, you know, giving the Democrats uh, the mail-in ballot thing is going to hurt his re-election chances and it'll hurt the Republican Party and he needs to keep the Republican Party at his back uh, uh, more so than even worrying about his own reelection chances. So, well, that being
0: said, I think that what that brings us around to is the fact that we are all on our own here. Yeah. Like the way that we deal with crisis, the way that we deal with a uh, pandemic is 100% up to us. We've got, in, specifically in Texas, I know it's different where you guys are on the West Coast. Um, no resources to draw from for basic costs of living. Um, you know, there hasn't been any kind of rent like moratorium provided. There hasn't been anything other than the, that first stimulus check. And I think that, you know, Texas unemployment is already just paltry, but even that system is completely overloaded and people aren't receiving their unemployment checks. So, we're really on our own here. And I really wish Jenny was here today because I know she's been involved in mutual aid efforts a lot. And, uh, you know, that would have been good to hear from her about. But, like, essentially, it's the state is taking a hands-off approach to doing this Mm -hmm. and has even uh, just completely given up on social distancing guidelines being enforced. And uh, now... You know, because of that, in the absence of that, what we've got is a, the liberal consensus, which I think most of the left has glommed onto, as is its want in yeah. <laughs> most instances, yeah, uh, that that we need to be basically vig- like uh, COVID 19 vigilantes, that we need to shame people who uh, don't wear masks and who break social distancing protocols or even
1: or even just go outside like yeah i've seen that too like how i mean how often do you see this like every time you step outside you're putting my family in danger
2: Mm -hmm. oh yeah
1: so yeah it's
0: it's pretty fucking insane like and i think that we've reached white noise uh when it comes to this (laughs) stuff
2: oh you gotta go and make it it racial huh
0: I'm talking about static. He's talking about
1: that one Anthrax album from (laughs) 1995.
0: I mean, like, I think about it. Like, do you even pay attention to concern posting anymore about like COVID 19? No,
2: not at all.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like, I mostly don't hear it anymore because I like just avoid social media out of outrage fatigue because I just I can't stand the the constant. Like, every single thing that everybody has to say is. Uh, some variant of stay inside, Karen, you know, the (laughs) only people for sure, the only people who are struggling with the conditions of quarantine and isolation are selfish, middle-class, white boomers who want to get a haircut. And it's like beyond the realm of comprehension for for a lot of people anyways, that there might be like People who can't make enough money because the unemployment system sucks and, you know, like need to go back to work mm-hmm. despite how awful that is going to be. Um, so, yeah, I've I've started tuning people out. Like I just I know less about what's happening in the world than I ever have because I just can't I can't look around anymore.
2: Yeah, it's hard to it's hard to even. Yeah, it's hard to. Well, I and I think it even goes further than that. I mean, they, they, I, I don't think they I, I think it's. I think it's worse than just not being able to comprehend that there are some people who need to need to be able to go to work to sustain themselves. I think it's um, a it's a, it's a uh, it's a routine. It's a um, learned sort of cyclical behavior that uh, the general population and uh, people who identify as leftists broadly have a, a, a fall into fighting a culture war. Uh, and uh yeah. no matter how material of uh, a, a literal virus and the economic conditions of a recession right before the vi- the, uh, the virus set in uh no matter how material those conditions are uh it become it it stops being about that and it starts and it, it immediately before it ever was that for most people I think it was a culture war there are uh the boomer, uh the boomers in the suburbs who want to mow their lawn and go to Dairy Queen and there's um uh and then there's the good socially responsible people who uh want to wear masks and uh stay inside and not go to um you know not not see their uh their family or friends in person and um i i think it's uh and so like when it becomes that it's not even about comprehending uh, uh that uh, it, it's not even a, the, the material necessity of some people having to be able to go to work. Uh, I don't, I don't think even enters people's mind certainly. And, but, but even if you raise that to somebody who's fighting this culture in an, sort of in the middle of fighting this culture war, I don't think that they're, that's going to change their mindset. I think they're going to be like, Oh, well, those people are, are of course they have to go to work and that's why the rest of us need to stay inside that. And then they're just going to go right back to their outrage. I I I think what um uh what they're not even uh willing to admit to themselves much less other people maybe is that this is fucking hard. Social isolation sucks. It's not how human beings are built to exist in the world. It's psychologically right. damaging. It is a difficult hard thing to do and to maintain and co- to continue to engage in. Uh, because simply, you know, simply because of some sort of abstract idea that we, you know, I might, um, expose somebody else to this thing that I might or might not have. Um, and, uh, yeah. And, and nobody's, nobody's looking, nobody cares. Nobody, it's not, nobody seems to give a shit about, um, uh, you know, what would actually sustain uh, individual capacity to uh, maintain and uh, quarantine until we have whatever um, vaccine or whatever it is that will allow us to go back to normal life, um, and you know at least on the west, the, the as far as I know, in most of the west coast, it's it's mostly the same. Uh, you know, we've got some stuff, some stuff like rent freezes, but they're not they're not canceling rent. They're not saying you, you know no people don't have to pay rent for. Uh, the duration of the quarantine they're just saying uh we're kicking the due date down the road for three months six months or however long it is and then at the end of that term you owe every penny of back rent that you haven't been paying during that time that you haven't been employed and uh the your landlord can evict you at the end of it that's what the good liberals on the west coast are doing
1: right so that's rather than having a slow trickle of evictions over the course of several months, let's have a big wave of evictions at the end of several months. <laughs> yeah. Let's... Yeah. Um, Because that's the humanitarian thing to do, is to let people sit in anxiety inside their apartments all through the summer before you kick them out on the streets.
2: And then blame them individually for mass death when they uh, can't take it anymore and they go out of their fucking home.
1: Right.
0: And so, you know, the, the point of bringing that up for me is that, like we're basically doing the job of neoliberalizing outrage. We are taking it upon ourselves to be mad at individuals for their choices, to not choose to take this seriously, if that is what they're doing, because the the state has given us no uh, opportunity to be able to take it seriously if we wanted to, you know? I mean, I think that like, our outrage, us doing the job, us becoming, I guess, like this salvage article uh, says, us becoming, you know, vigilante trolls on behalf of behalf of the capitalist state. We've taken our outrage away from the places that it matters and started projecting it onto each other, which is exactly what they would like us to do.
1: Right. Well, and there is an implicit and sometimes explicit under uh, kind of like theological uh, belief in the power of that capitalist state to solve this crisis. So it's not just like when you go outside, you're putting people in danger. It's like you haven't waited long enough. They haven't fixed it yet. If you just look around at what they say, they don't have a fucking plan. Like the plan was go inside for a while and we'll see what happens. And then they keep extending it. Oh, keep, keep staying inside. But like, look, if you're sitting indoors... And ordering Grubhub and Instacart and whatever and, and only buying stuff on Amazon, except for on the special days you're not supposed to because you saw on social media that that was a strike day or whatever. Yeah, that's you, doing something. And you think that you can just sit there and do that until the vaccine comes out and obliterates the virus and you can go back to life as normal. Right? You can go back to the Obama years. Um, you're fucking insane. Like the people, the people running this country don't have a plan and not only do they not have a plan, they are competing with each other to, uh, to get around having to make a plan. So like if, look, like I, I don't have the death well, I might have the unconscious death drive that we all have. Right. But I don't share the, the fanatical death cult, like desire to just reopen the economy and kill all the grandparents. Right but i think it's probably worth recognizing that in the absence of a plan and in the absence of like a competent marginally uh socially conscious element inside the state to like to mitigate the worst of the damages of this thing the only alternative to a slow death is to just take a risk so i v- i very deeply sympathize with people who are like oh i just i've had enough i have to start trying to live life in a normal way especially if that means like you are an independent contractor and you have to make money. So you're trying to do it on the sly now. Like I, in the absence of a state that can or even wants to provide like a safety net for you to fall into, the only other thing is, is to rely on yourselves. And, and when the left, yeah. when the left is not made up of people who are like trying to build alternative institutions, but instead it's just made up of people who are identical to liberals, except for they say capitalism instead of greed, you know, where else are you supposed to turn? But to yourself
0: to be clear like i have been observing social distancing as much as possible i wear my mask when i go out yeah. you know i only go out to go grocery shopping and all that shit of course, same here. absolutely but, of course yeah but if i had to i mean i'm still living off of a little bit of money that i had set aside and that's going to run out real fucking quick mm-hmm. so i might actually end up having to go out to work and whenever if i if i end up in Texas because we're not doing anything about this at all. Everything is just back to fucking normal. Ending up working in an office or something or wherever I end up getting hired because jobs are fucking scarce right now. Um I'm going to just basically be unable to social distance anymore, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Um Right, that's going to that's going to be taken away from you just like it is for right. tens of millions of people. And no and no so, amount of shame online is going to change that for them.
0: In that instance, like if I, I'll, if I just can't fucking social distance anymore, like what is the point of continuing to social distance the rest of the time when I'm not at work? Of course, I'm going to continue to try to wear a mask whenever I'm around other people, just in case I am a fucking disease vector or something. like uh, but like I can see where in people's minds, where they're just like, "Well, it doesn't fucking matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it's, I either die or I or I don't. I still have to live. I still have to work. Mm -hmm. And I definitely understand that. Mm -hmm. And that is 100% the the fault of the state. Mm
2: -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's um, the state is present and making choices in its absence and lack of making choices, you know, like it's, it's there causing an outcome, causing an outfall of uh, consequences by, by its, um, uh, refusal to s- step in and take measures that are necessary to actually ensure uh, mass deaths don't uh don't take place. uh and then if we try to transpose that onto individuals, we're you know we're missing the point when you consider
1: that like in addition to the fact that there's just been a lot of uh foot dragging and contradictory information coming from various like officials uh health officials, government officials, whatever and you you add that to um these studies that suggest now that they're pretty sure that this virus has been spreading around the country since the beginning of the year and studies that suggest that like dramatically higher percentages of people have already been in you know have already carried the virus whatever um
0: yeah, 50 to 80% higher than they previously thought in one study. Right,
1: which means, you know, much lower uh, death ratio than than is presently thought, that is presently officially uh, accepted. And then also that, like, you know, maybe it turns out that the virus doesn't actually hang around on surfaces for very long. And so maybe you don't have to be, like, spraying Lysol in your shoes and leaving them outside every time you go check the mail or whatever it is, like... When you when you factor all that in together alongside the the incompetence and in, uh, of the plans being laid out by governors and municipalities and all the, the conflicts between the national and municipal governments, um, some countries have eradicated the virus completely, other countries have you know completely succumbed. like you put it all together and it's it's no wonder that people Uh, that it all comes out as white noise and that people are just like, I don't know, I guess I'm just going to fucking just do whatever I feel like doing because it doesn't appear as though the experts know anything. At least they, they seem to change what they know. Um, and all of your like liberal finger wagging friends who are like, listen to the experts sometimes seem to misunderstand that the, the, because the science isn't all in yet. Like the experts don't really know. Um of course it makes a situation in which people stop listening of course it creates a situation in which people start to, to rely solely on how they feel about the situation it couldn't yeah. possibly have uh played out any differently than it had in this in this society uh because we don't live in new zealand you know we don't live in a in a small island country with a labor government that you know immediately issued some basic emergency measures um, the minute that they had one case. Or like in Vietnam, we don't have like the political capacity to like forcibly quarantine people who are infected so that nobody else has to be quarantined. We live in an incoherent, chaotic, mindlessly self-indulgent, individualized and atomized society, which is structurally weakened in terms of its social apparatus has been structurally weakened so far that it's amazing that there has been any response whatsoever in this country i think we should pat ourselves on the back for being a country that largely did manage to just sit inside for a couple of months and wait for further instructions and we should we should acknowledge that the as that starts to fray and that starts to crack that that is not you know the fault of selfish people acting individually that is the the natural outcome of a selfish individual society and the lack of any counter narrative because a crisis is exactly the moment when you can undo the foundations of something and you can remake them and they didn't do it so the situation we're in now is almost was prescribed from the beginning it makes it it makes it very difficult for me to have uh any of the outrage that people feel about the callousness and indifference and self uh, short-sightedness of people who are starting to—I don't know—hang out outside four feet away from their friends instead of six, right? Or like starting to gather in their apartments in groups of twos and threes with people that they really trust, because what the fuck else are people going to do? The the nanny state. That has the testing capacity and resources that's going to you know with the with the rent moratorium and the subsidized uh you know like the universal basic income and all of the other things that you know would be necessary to weather the storm long term does not exist and it should and we should demand it, and that should form the basis of whatever new world view that you know. People on the broadly left spectrum of American politics uh, conceive of what, what their own political program would be. And it might if the Bernie Sanders moment didn't end with such a whimper, but it did. And so like, yeah, we do have to start all over, but part of starting all over is recognizing that people have been left to their own devices, thrown out into the wilderness, and the ways that people are coming up with to survive even if only to survive the psychological torment of this moment, it's not on them individually to solve. It's on all of us collectively to solve, just like everything else always has been. And if, and if what you have to contribute is to be angry at people for um, interpreting the CDC guidelines differently than you, then either, I would say, you have no place on the left or else the left has no place in history. But those are the only options.
0: We must even take seriously and investigate a counterintuitive possibility, that a clear acknowledgement that the state remains the horizon of coercion And thus, our demands may actually help mitigate the voluntarist petty authoritarianism inevitable in a moment of crisis in class society. The crowdsourcing of duress and shame to the temptations which the left itself has hardly, to put it judiciously, has been immune.
2: No, I think that that exactly addresses the the, the point that I had raised uh, previously was uh, exactly that point that the state is the horizon of coercion, whether it exercises that. That coercion or not by passively not exercising it. It's that it still remains there. It's present in its absence, but, um, um, yeah, I mean, the, 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 like, like, what do you, what do you fucking expect people to do? What do you expect people to do when there is no, that, that there are all no, there are no alternatives on option, you know, that yeah. the, there's no, like, there is stay inside for a year and a half. Uh, and on, you know, on on the on the on the mo- most optimistic timetable that we're looking at until a vaccine is widely available, uh, which who the fuck has the money to just sit around, without state assistance to just sit inside and not work like who can we can't do that? No, I can't do that. Nobody can do that. Um. Uh, the vast majority of working people can't do that and uh, you know even uh, even middle class upper middle class people can't do that. We can't sustain ourselves um, without continued uh, employment and income. Uh, and, and we recognize that these people recognize that they are situated within a wider world, a larger economy that when they go out and buy things, that's circulating uh, money into the economy that keeps other people employed. I I think that there is even a glimmer of collective collectivity of um, um, uh, collectivism uh, being expressed by the people who want to who are going out and saying reopen the economy. Let me go buy my fertilizer for my lawn and get a haircut uh, because they recognize the mass suffering that will necessarily come in a world where capitalism is the only option on the table uh right. absent being able to go out and engage in the normal activities of uh modern capitalist life of buying and shopping and working and and whatever else. So uh, w- without there being which it's not there's not an alternative from the the liberals from the Democratic Party. There isn't an al- there is not an alternative being put on the table. Yeah, $2,000 a month uh certainly will um will go a long way to to help people to sustain themselves for a time. But it doesn't uh, address the fact that, you know, the IMT folks don't want to don't like get really outraged when you raise this. But it doesn't address the f- the fact that uh, at some point um, that's going to cause mass uh, inflation that will uh, uh, spiral out of control. Um, uh, and that's not going to be good for working people either. Uh, that Those $2,000 a month checks will be worthless at some point. Yeah. You know? Uh, so, uh, you know, without an alternative wherein society collectively imposes production for, uh, for uh, uh, human need, rather than for the uh, profit of individual owners, um, production and distribution for human need, which is to say, a command economy, uh, un- unless that come becomes an option, then it's simply like we're there 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 is no alternative than to reopen the economy. And that actually becomes a rational alternative.
0: So these people are absolutely small business tyrants and, you know, the worst fucking the worst byproduct of American individualism and the late capitalist epochs, uh the dregs of the late capitalist epoch, right? No question. So like these people are like also unfortunately the ones who have the most realistic outlook as looking forward as to what is what is possible i mean now that i say that with a caveat that people are currently burning down police stations like as we speak and looting malls and targets and T- tipping over police vans and smashing cop car windows and engaged in active battles with the police
2: that however is the other
0: alternative that is the other alternative you know there is either we open up society and get back to work and just let an enormous layer of people die off the most vulnerable people in our society just fucking say fuck them let them die yeah or we can smash things and set things on fire. Hey,
2: you know, I mean, one death is a tragedy, but a thousand deaths is a statistic.
0: That brings me to this, the the subject of what I think people are calling riots. What I think is actually a full scale revolt, because it's not just like the riots that are happening in Minneapolis. This is going on all over the country, like Denver, Atlanta,
2: Dallas, Portland, uh, and Los Angeles, uh, yeah. uh the White House. That's the most interesting yeah, the White one House. to that, to be included in all of this to, to me that uh I that honestly that one makes me the most hopeful that, that this is more significant than, you know, a little one-off thing. But um yeah, I
0: don't know. And this is, you know, a culmination of a lot of things touched off by racist police brutality. The Democrats and Republicans are both saying, are both condemning the violence, but this is not just about police brutality and it's not just about racism. Of course, those are key parts. They're very important components to all of this, right? That is, I don't want to take anything away from that, but this is the wanton slaughter of innocent people by the police in a time when everyone is out of work. There's no hope for any kind of political change through the ballot box and things are just getting worse and worse and worse so these are the types of situations where eruptions can be sparked by just a tiny little a tiny thing right just think of may 68 with protests about dorm rooms and you know february 1917 with women going on strike for better wages and better pay and any number of other uprisings that were a result of a tiny spark that was lit in a powder keg and police brutality happens all the time i don't know how many how many of these things have we seen this year already that i mean countless d- countless and last year and this is different than ferguson because ferguson happened in ferguson mm-hmm. this is happening all over the United States. This is, you know, I don't know how many dozens of Ferguson's going on right now. So this is something else. I don't know whether or not to be optimistic about it, but it does show that people are taking the lessons that have been learned from the struggles that have happened since Ferguson and they have, they've internalized them and are tying things together. Now, whether or not anything comes out of this, other than the inevitable, just brutal retaliation that is going to happen, mm-hmm. yeah, the police, the police are going to be out for blood. That is going to happen. Total. Whether anything other than that comes out of this is, it's hard to say. Um,
2: yeah, yeah. Uh, uh. So Portland went, you know, lit on fire last night. That were well, they uh, they broke up a, whole, a whole lot of shit, and they um uh tried to light the uh, or did successfully light the justice center on fire there but uh uh that the fire got put out and everybody and the whole thing got quelled but uh but now there's um um a curfew an 8 p.m. curfew anybody who who's outside after 8 p.m. tonight as of the t- the day of this recording will be arrested um, and, uh, I guess we'll see we're, we're sort of in the middle of it and we're kind of speculating on things. And then this recording is going to come out, uh, uh, after things have sort of played out a little bit. So we might look foolish in hindsight, but, uh, uh, so it's hard to sort of like take a firm stance on as to what I think's going to be coming out of this. But uh, frankly, I'm pretty skeptical. You're right, Chris, that it's, uh, it's different. Uh, and it's, it's interesting to see. And I, it, it, the, the, um, the spark that lit it, uh, is the spark of, Uh, The recurring subject uh, issue of police brutality, but you can't deny that um, that there is um, oxygen and tinder that exists in this atmosphere because of mass unemployment and social isolation um, that uh, that we're existing in and that's creating just this explosive atmosphere. Now, maybe they've got enough fire hoses pointed at this explosion to to put it out and uh, repress it, um, but maybe not. Uh, I don't know. I guess we'll see. I'm pretty skeptical. So one of the things that um,
1: has been on my mind since this spate of unrest like kicked off was a conversation we had um, that I think we titled it, um, Everything is Boring, Nobody is Bored, Everyone is Anxious. Yeah, you know that there's this sort of generalized anxiety across the this society that um, has very few coherent modes of expression. You know that, that that society is a tinderbox, anyways, and it has been for some time. Like it shouldn't be a surprise. Like I don't think it's just that. Like yeah, police brutality is normal, and people just finally got fed up with it. You know, a couple days ago, and it's not that. Uh, it's not just that plus the pandemic anxiety, and it's not even just those things, plus the unemployment anxiety and the desperation that people feel right now. It's that things have been getting progressively worse on all fronts for so long that it's almost a surprise that it, it's only just now happening in this way. So like I'm not I'm not necessarily prepared to say that I think I know what will come out of it. Probably we'll see a lot of this maybe coming and going in waves. Um, Right, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, like that this will be clamped down and fizzle out eventually, but then it will spring up again and there will be an official flashpoint. There will be like an atrocity or an event of some kind that that will be the focal point in people's minds to be like, that's something that has to be addressed and then, you know, coming behind that will be all of the rest of or driving that will be the rest of the engine, which is just the generalized anxiety that people feel as a result of living in this like hopelessly alienating, meaningless uh, mode of of living that has been uh, that we've been raised in. the The bigger question, though, like Kevin, like you said, is I don't know what will come out of it in terms of like I don't know practical political work or solutions, because you know like you could look back on the Occupy Wall Street stuff and say nothing came of it or you could say like out of that we got the five for 15 and the sort of generalized sort of discussion uh and, and a new framework around how you approach the world when it comes to institutional the institutional bases of inequality of power and wealth and whatever and you could say and i think some people have effectively drawn the links between like the Occupy generation and the bernie sanders campaign as being not exactly synonymous but like flowing from one another um so, in that sense, yeah you, you know there's no telling what could come out of this, but in terms of like uh, is this the beginning of the uh the revolution yeah is this is this the beginning of a new wave of struggle in which things really start to turn around and real possibilities flower i, I may maybe this is like psychological damage from trauma <laughs> from years and years of looking for that, but like probably not. I think probably it's
2: not yeah. bad. Um, well, I mean, look, I mean, I think like best case scenario uh, that could what could come out of this is uh, an acceleration of the decline of the, the U.S. state um, as a, uh, you know, a co- coherent global power that has to sort of avert its attention from um, from abroad uh, to uh, quelling revolts um, domestically. Even if that uh, includes some sort of, like, you know, Keynesian sort of uh, measures to help s- sate the 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 um, inclination toward revolt at home, right? So uh, that's a best-case scenario, but that's not going to alter any, like, dynamic of uh, where power lies in society and who's making decisions and on whose behalf those decisions are being made. Yeah. We – Short of having organization that is effectively working toward assuming power in the in, uh, 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 in the interests of like consciously in the interests of uh, dismantling capitalism and replacing it with uh, an empowered uh, working class, it's uh, all we have is destruction. We don't have anything that it could could conceivably construct some alternative. All we have is destruction. And so the best case scenario in that is just an acceleration of the decline of, you know, the the U.S. state.
0: This could be a touching a touch off point for us starting to build organizations, maybe. Um, But
2: I'm not optimistic without. I'm not optimistic. (laughs) I said it could be.
0: (laughs) But I mean, like. I. You know. You guys know what you're doing, knew what you were doing when you turned this on, this podcast on. You weren't, you know, I don't know what you thought you were going to hear, but if if the idea that we're not optimistic surprises you, then, you know, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, we would have needed org- powerful organizations with deep roots in the community uh, and, you know just knocking on the doors of power like banging on the doors of power for this to turn into anything i mean it could turn into something but you know think of how many times in the history of the modern world that this sort of thing has happened and it can't it it very it may very well lead to some much needed reforms but you know
1: it also may very well lead to we should
0: definitely fight for them but that's not good
1: enough right it also may very well lead to um you know of A strengthening of the carceral state mm-hmm. supported by you know liberals in power and liberals in in media and uh an increase no it'll it it will be both yeah yeah, I mean it will definitely be look it will definitely lead to that you know massive expansion of the security apparatus of the country uh mm-hmm. and that is at the expense of the people who will be you know pushing for those reforms to come into existence. Mm-hmm. I don't think it will do much to undermine, you know, the culture war narrative, right? Because uh, in the absence of a coherent expression of alternative politics, this probably will just deepen the culture war narrative of like how how things work, uh, probably lead to like a, an increase in uh, the size of like right wing militias as all sorts of like, you know, the the people who imagine themselves as living on the frontier you know in their gated communities with their like dually pickups or whatever are afraid that they're gonna have something to lose from you know roving bands of BLM Antifa rioters like Chris like you said 19 you use 1968 as a point of reference and I think it's a good one because what happens on the on the other side of 1968 is like a, an intense reaction um, right which almost obliterates 68 from consciousness as anything other than like a an interesting historical moment. You know, like right, it, like if
0: you're not already a leftist, when you think of 1968, all you think of is people doing drugs and having group sex.
1: Right. You know. Yeah, you don't think of uh like it's almost that's the flashpoint. It's the high point of a period of struggle. And then and then from there there's an ebb afterward. Um you know, like the the tendency to want to see in this flashpoint, like the beginnings of a bold new era, uh, I, I I totally sympathize with. I think that's, you know, there's a certain amount of hope that I think is necessary for human beings to have just to like live, you know, because life's really hard. And if you don't have any hope in anything, you might not want to keep doing it. But, you know, as we, we often talk about um, on this podcast is there's this kind of hope, this over uh, overabundance of optimism that leads to incredible demoralization and like if if right now you were thinking man the world's terrible i don't know what to do and then you see there's there's unrest You're like oh good things are about to turn around six months from now you might be in a much worse place <laughs> psychologically than you are right now or than you were before their unrest began
0: that's what i see going on right now is this i was so depressed until this stuff started happening I'm like, bro, stay depressed, <laughs> please. <laughs> Listen,
1: this is de- this is not going to undermine my depression in any very serious way. Even as I, uh,
2: even uh, as I long to see uh, the decline of the United States, it's yeah, it's not enough.
1: Well, and even as I'm like, not going to
0: lie, I've I've felt some some real feelings looking at that police precinct barns. Oh hell yeah! I, I it feels good. I don't think I've ever seen a more beautiful sight in my life. Well, it absolutely
1: right? warms the heart. You know,
0: I do recognize a certain amount of criticism that comes from a few places that I've seen where like, it's like, yeah, you know, relatively affluent white people that lean left love to see people of color risk their lives fighting the cops and breaking into targets and looting stuff. But these things are going to have real consequences. And this isn't just a TV show that we get to watch that makes us feel good. And that is absolutely true. That is true. We should not think of what's going on right now as being a net positive there are going to be some really bad results that come from this like like i mean look at ferguson people have been being assassinated i I believe that people have been being assassinated probably by off-duty cops you know i've seen i mean i've seen la confidential i know what the fucking cops get up to
2: (laughs) you know i mean look
1: i i know people i know people who are or have been cops Like, I definitely know what the cops get up to.
2: Yeah. I
0: I guarantee you that there is going to be like an an intense amount of retaliation that people should be prepared for. And that we should never cheer these things on as spectators without really taking into consideration what that means. I think that there's going to be a lot of solidarity that's going to be needed to protect these people. A lot of legal funds that will need donations and... You know, I don't know what the fuck else to do as a person who's just sitting watching these things happen hundreds and thousands of miles away from me, uh, other than to just think: if all we do is cheer for these people and then ignore them the way that so many people did with uh, the Black Lives Matter protesters in Ferguson, then we really are just as stupid and bad as people are trying to make us out to. Yeah, you know?
2: Absolutely.
1: Yeah. I mean, like, that would be the definition of being a spectator it's like Uh seeing no stake in the outcome and seeing no role for oneself in that outcome um and just being like well i'm happy that someone's doing something and you know sharing sharing riot porn videos on your instagram feed because you're like look at look at this thing that's happening elsewhere and isn't that great and if that if that is the only response you've got then it's i mean it's obviously it's not as contemptible as finger wagging about people protesting in the wrong way. Right. uh, And nowhere near as contemptible as like calling for blood, you know, to return things to normal. But functionally it's as useful. um, Like (laughs) spreading awareness of this generalized frustration. That's being done by the riots. (laughs) You know, you don't have to do that by telling people like, oh, I'm glad this is happening. You should tell people you're glad this is happening, but an identification... It's not really doing anything. Right. An identification with it means, by necessity, finding ways to go further. Like, lest we get showed up by some of the most useless people in our society, which is like celebrities... You know, there are all sorts of celebrities like Steve Carell or whatever that are like throwing money into um, bail funds for people who are getting arrested in Minneapolis. Um, You could at least do as good as Steve Carell. You know what I mean? Like you have a a stake in this and you have a role in how it goes, even if you're not there physically.
0: I saw an article about how uh, celebrities are donating money and then I looked at the amounts being donated. And it was something like Seth Rogen donated $50. (laughs) Motherfucker. (laughs) Oh, oh jesus great
1: uh, well right and cool dude <laughs> so that's the other thing is like if you um you know like put it if if you're like a person calling for those donations to be made right like pair that with the recognition that like we were just saying there are 40 million unemployed people and less and less money to go around all the time um
2: and a like and more of it accumulating in the hands of jeff bezos
1: yeah, and no discourse about reparations is going to be enough to cover the fact that a lot of people don't have money to donate to these bail funds. Um, yeah. So when we talk about organization, right, like, if you don't have any money to donate to a bail fund, like, there's there's got to be ways of fundraising, there's got to be people who are trying to figure out how to expand the mutual aid network to beyond just uh, delivering groceries or whatever it is. Like, I'm absolutely not going to try to present a blueprint as it, as it forms in my head, right? i just mean to say that uh it oh i've been 100 percent thinking out loud this whole time right i i i just mean like all of this needs to be qualified with um this something we return to often it's like i don't really know what to do you know and just doing something yeah. is often not enough but when things are happening there is like a, a sort of uh uh
0: Moral obligation. Yeah,
1: I was going to say a historical imperative, but moral obligation. Yeah. However, you want to think of it, to uh, to figure out a way to relate to it. That's all I mean. I to would say. say
0: an ethical imperative. Yeah, you know, like I, I think that as Marxists, we've got a problem with not actually having any kind of ethics yeah. sure. uh, that undergirds our, uh, our, our system of philosophies and the way that we understand the world. And I think there should be. So someone should come up with that <laughs> um,
2: <laughs> that's till then we'll do that we'll do that uh <laughs> next week yeah. Yeah. next week we'll we'll invent we'll craft a whole entire system of ethics
1: Marxist ethics right, right? it's a re- this is a really complicated moment um, and it's a very difficult moment to be alive because the things that you have to balance and juggle uh, that you have to keep in mind in order to 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 have an accurate picture of the world are incredibly uh, contradictory and, and multiplicity, yeah. right? Like there's a pandemic, so wear a mask, but also there, there are these protests and riots and maybe you should participate. But are you going to go spread the pandemic by participating? How do you social distance during a riot? Um, everyone's unemployed, but a lot of people need bail money, uh, you know, and so on and so on. There are no networks or, or very few networks and practically no organization uh, on the part of uh, that are dedicated to you know even just ameliorating the lot of of the masses let alone like catapulting you know human beings back to the forefront or into the forefront of making make living their own being in charge of their own lives like everything is seemingly contradictory everything every everything that you know has something else that makes whatever impulse you've got, uh, seems like it should be checked, right? We don't know what to do, but it does seem like one of those moments where it's probably time to just start trying things and not just rest on what we already did know. You know, like maybe there's a, let's imagine we exist in a moment where like joining a socialist organization is as simple as getting online and paying a one-time membership fee and, uh, then tweeting about it. And that's all that there is to it. Um, We're we're imagining. Let's imagine that that's the case, right? And so, like,
0: it sounds kind of dumb, but okay, I'll imagine with you. We'll see a spike.
1: (laughs) We'll almost certainly see a spike of membership in 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 such organizations, right? But what does it mean? What is it going to mean for people? Uh, I don't think that there's. I just don't think we have any idea yet. Still, we just don't know what to do with you know. This is the problem with spreading awareness. We're all aware now. What? We'll identify with it and then you talk about it. And that's the cycle we've been in for years now. Um So even when it comes to like a moment of revolt where like the police are actually being beaten on the streets by, uh you know, by everyday people. The only thing we really know how to do is like agree with it, identify with it, and fucking tweet about it. It's just a sad state of affairs. All I'm really doing is lamenting. It's not a speech. I don't really know where to go with it. Lamentations, man. Well,
0: uh, like Varn said last week on the podcast about Bonapartism, we talked about what does the left need to do? And he said, we got to start over. You know, we have to go back to the very beginning where it is that we get our beliefs from and our our inspirations from. And we've got to try to cobble something together that's inspiring to people and then rebuild our organizations from nothing.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's the closest thing to an answer that I have a job in Amazon yeah. and unionize it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's, that's all. fucking bleak, though. Just do though. that. <laughs> Just do Just that. Kind of- yeah. i